anyway, we're, we're in a series of thought. Let's not be carnal. Let's think spiritual. We're in a series of thought about Kronos and Kairos. Kronos time being natural time and Kairos time being God time. Those opportune moments, those moments where suddenly God breaks in, breaks through, breaks out. Um, you, know, you may have heard um, on, on media, um, social media, Facebook or whatever, things that are happening around the world uh, where the Holy Spirit is moving in certain ways and hundreds or thousands of people are being affected. I- I'm really excited by that. The good thing is God is not just the God of university campuses somewhere in America. He's the God of the UK. He's the God of Bridgemary. He's the God of Leighton Road. He's the God of 2A Leighton Road where we meet right now, which means if God can break out in university campuses in America or in Africa or here, there or anywhere, I believe he can break out here and now in our life. Whatever you need from God today, God is able to meet that need and, and break through in your circumstances, whether that's a healing or whether that's ministered to your family, a, a wayward child, whatever it is, God is the God of miracles. And the Holy Spirit is here present in this room And anything is possible because he's here. That's the joy of worshiping a living God. We don't just come here and sing a few songs and think, well, you know, what was the point of all that? Gathering together in the corporate anointing means anything is possible and probably will happen. That is my earnest expectation every time we gather together, that something could happen in our lives today. So today we are concluding our thoughts on Kairos. Now, Kairos being God moments. But you know what? You've got the rest of your life to enjoy what I've been teaching. That you, whenever somebody says to you, oh, what's the time? You don't just immediately look at your watch and think, oh, it's 20 past, 25 past 11. No, you think, What is the time? It is now high time that I awake from my sleep. It is now the time. It is God's time. God, what are you wanting to do in this very moment of time? Someone just may be carnally wanting to know what time is the bus arriving. But you go into this mindset of time. Time in God's hands is is greater than anything else. Why? Because for week after week over these last few weeks, we've been teaching how important Kairos time is for each and every one of us. God moments, God happenings in our life. And as I was preparing for today, I read a prophetic word that had been spoken. Um, And I just want to share the words from this prophecy. I've, I've not got it all, but I just felt this part was really important. So this is what was said. I sense that this is the time for the church to stand up and become. We should not be caught unaware. It is a time to stand up in the power of his spirit and sing out, speak out, and declare loudly what has been incubating in us. It is time to repent of being an audience of spectators and rise up into our destiny. Our children's children will receive supernatural impartation and protection as we do this. What time is it? It is our Kairos time. We're invited into this Kairos moment, this appointed time in the purposes of God. 
We need to believe and behave like we're in a divine moment. We need to be on the lookout for the acceleration of that which is coming. We need to be ready for unusual occurrences and supernatural interventions. I believe that we are in a Kairos time. A God-appointed moment. I, I Clearly... The Bible is so clear that in the last days, in the last times, he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters, old men and, and young men will dream dreams and have supernatural in, uh, happenings in their life. I believe we are in a moment such as this. And I believe as the church, as the prophecy says, it's time to become. It's time to awaken to who we are in him. And as we do, you know, it's, it's so easy to become afraid if we say something, if we speak out about something, that authorities or, or individuals or organizations would come against the church or come against us. But it's time that the Lord's people, the redeemed of the Lord, do say so. That we stand in the gap for our nation. That we stand in the gap where, where this world is sliding down into oblivion. That we stand up as the light of the world and declare the truth on a hilltop. Yeah. It is time. I love what it says in Psalm 31 verse 15. My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. Can you say that for you? Can you say that? Because the psalmist is saying, my time is in your hands. We can become so precious of our time. We can become so squeezed by time restrictions and time limits that we begin to wonder, I have not got time for this and I've not got time for something else and I've not got time for church and I've not got time for God and I've not got time to read the word and I've got no time to pray. But actually, the reason you've not got time is because time is in your hands. And you've not said to God, my time is in yours. And when we get the priorities right in our life, and we hand back to God our lives and say, my time is in your hands, and you order my days, that the, the priorities of our life will begin to change. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all those other things will be added to you. We say, I will fit God in to whatever's left. It's a wrong order. Seek him first and all the other things will begin to come into place. My times are in your hands. I want to encourage you. I, 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 you know I throw questions out at you. I want you to question your own heart. Is my time in his hands? Or am I still in control of my own time? I think it's a great question to ask ourselves. You know, last week we looked at the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was, was in a foreign land. He was the cupbearer uh, of the king, which I, I explained last week. If he drank the poison, he would die and not the king. And, and it wasn't the most pleasant of all jobs to have. But he lived very much of the, of the mindset, my times are in your hands. And when there came the Kairos moment, the opportune moment for the walls of the city of Jerusalem to be rebuilt, 
Nehemiah was in position. He may have still been in a foreign land, but his heart was willing to do what God had called him to do, wherever that would be. And God spoke to him. And in 52 days, the city walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt. The gates were rehung and the doors were in place. What was that? That was a Kairos moment of supernatural acceleration. They still don't believe they could have got what they did done then, done today, with all the technology. What they did was supernatural acceleration. And everybody had a heart to build. Again, that's key to where we are as a church. Where we are as the body of Christ is so important that we all have. I, I love the fact you, you read through the whole account of, Jer- uh, of, of Nehemiah and you've got pockets and clans and families and their families are saying, give us that gate, we'll fix it. Give us that rubble, we'll build a wall. It, it's, it's like Wilberforce and, and your family will say, hey, give us the well gate. And off they go. Off they go, they trot off to the well gate and they're... Be- Josh... And your family, I'm sorry, but you got the dung gate. And off they go. These are the gates that were there. Okay? You've got the dung gate. You're working, but do you know what? You're working on the dung gate with a smile on your face. With joy in your heart. Why? Because you're doing the will of God. Uh, Roy, your job, putting out the chairs on a Sunday morning. What do you do faithfully? Put out chairs on a Sunday morning. Somebody else? It's kids' church. They're all in the other room. They're out there. But that's what they did. Each one had a part to do and a part to play so that the whole was built. My encouragement right now is if you're not doing, if you're not involved, we would love you to be on. You think we've got a great worship team? We have. We want more. Amen. You, if, if you can sing, if you can play, if you want to learn to play, Danny, where's Danny? Danny, I love that you heard this, a message similar to this and you went, count me in. I'll play, but don't turn up the music. <laughs> what a heart. Isn't that a great heart? There's a saying in, in family church, and it's a joke. Just We put some through the photocopier and some through the shredder. It's a joke. We, we don't really mean that. But the thought is when we find gold, we want to re- replicate it. That's what we mean. We don't, we don't put people through shredders, all right? Dear, oh dear. But that's the heart. Count me in. Let's step up to the plate. I will build the dung gate. With a joy in my heart. And that was Nehemiah. A Kairos moment of divine acceleration. I don't know about you, but there's part of me that says, Lord, come quickly. Isn't that the last verses of the Bible? Lord, come quickly. In many senses, that's my heart. Lord, I do, I, do I want to live in this rubbish that we exist in? Oh, send me out into the middle of Canada. I'm sure it's beautiful. There's no issues. There's no people. There's no... I love people, but there's, there's, no, there's no issues. It's just, okay, you're running away from bears and whatever else that may come your way, but it, it, there's no, it's seeming like there's no problems in the world. 
Lord, come quickly. And then there's the other part of me that says, Lord, I want to take as many souls to heaven. Give us more time that we, will, that we may reach more for you. So there's this, there's this balance of life. Lord, I want you to come quickly, but not too quickly so that we can see one more person saved, so that we can see one more family, one more community being affected for you. I, 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 that Kairos moments. Divine intervention. Are we expecting divine interventions? That you're walking along the street and all of a sudden, bang, something happens, something changes. You weren't expecting it. You weren't thinking about it. But all of a sudden, God. You know he's changed the direction. He's changing jobs. He's changing house. He's told you to do something. He's asked you to give something away. But it was God that said, divine interventions that come our way. Unusual occurrences, things that would never have happened will occur in a, against all the ridiculous odds that could be out there. Because God is at the center. Many of the Kairos moments in the Bible carried with them a material blessing. Okay, am I a prosperity preacher? No. Do I believe that God wants us to prosper? Okay, let me quote a scripture in John 3, 3 John 2. It says, I wish above all things that you prosper and that you be in health even as your soul prospers. Am I a prosperity preacher? Yeah, you could say that. Because I believe what the Bible says, that you may prosper, whole being, including money, including wealth. He gives us the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant upon the earth. We need finance for that. So yes, I am a prosperity preacher to that degree. Because I believe that God wants us to prosper and be in health. Even as our soul prospers. But many of those kairos moments in the Bible carry material blessing. I want to go through a few of them. Consider with me these thoughts. Ruth, a kairos moment in Ruth's life in the Bible. Because God used a man called Boaz who spoke to his team of, of, of reapers, leave handfuls of grain on purpose for Ruth to find. What is that? That's material blessing, material gain in her life, in a kairos moment. For Peter, he was a fisherman, and yet Jesus on numerous occasions, even when they had caught nothing and been out at sea all night, or on, on, on the sea all night, and caught nothing, Jesus then says, cast your net on the other side, and they got a huge catch of fish. It was showing God's divine intervention in natural circumstances. He could have just said, right, okay, cast your net on the other side, you'll catch a few. But he didn't. They caught a huge catch of fish. Because the God that we serve is a God of abundance. Not, Lord, give me what I need that's selfish. Give me what I need so that I can give more and above to those around me who are without. Otherwise, it's just, Lord, bless me. Bless me. Bless. That's not what Christianity is about. Bless me so that I can be a blessing 
is what Christianity is about. How about the feeding of the 5,000? If the little boy with the five loaves and two fish was bless me, bless me, bless me, guess what? 5,000 men as well as women and children would not have been fed on that day. But Jesus is, he, he, when, when, in this Kairos moment, when he says to the disciples, right, you feed them. They said, feed them what? We are so far away from anywhere that we could purchase anything and we've not got the food to be able to do so. So they found the boy with a picnic, five loaves, two fish. A Kairos moment took place. A miracle increase took place. And the little boy went home with 12 basketfuls left over. He didn't come with 12 basketfuls. He came with five loaves and two fish. But there was a supernatural increase. See, if you're not looking for supernatural increase, you won't know when it comes. You won't know when it hits you. You won't know because it passes you by. But when you see it and you believe in it and you know that there's a Kairos moment that is your time for God to bless you, you will see it and you'll receive it. For the woman whose son was about to be taken into slavery, for the debt that she could not pay, God turned the little oil that she had into a supernatural provision, not only to pay her debt, but that she and her family could live off that oil for the rest of their lives. See, it wasn't just a miracle for the moment. It was a miracle moment for the rest of their lives. See, this is the God in whom we serve, the God in which we believe, the God who is able to do above and beyond all we can ask or imagine. And in Kairos moments, when God is in the center of a Kairos moment, anything is possible. How about the woman whose son or sons were taken in or about to be taken into slavery for a debt that she couldn't pay? See, these are supernatural interventions where God steps in to a moment of time. She was there. She had been trying to pay that debt for years, couldn't do it. And in a moment of time when they were about to take her sons into slavery, God spoke to her or the man of God spoke to her and said, What do you have in your hand? She said, I have a little oil. She said, go to all, he said, go to all your neighbors and get every pot and pan that you can find. And then start to pour the oil. That's God's intervention into our life. Again, that paid not only the debt for the boys, but it paid the future for her life. The, the mother and the son who were about to eat their last meal and die. <laughs> when you look at Elijah, Elijah was being fed by the ravens at Brook Cherith. He was doing all right. Everybody else was in famine, but the Lord was providing for him at the Brook Cherith. He was there. He was being fed by the ravens day and night. He was, in, he was being looked after by God. But there came a certain moment of time where God said, leave this place and go where I prepared a woman. I've prepared a woman. He goes to this particular place, walks in to this particular village, and this particular woman happened to be picking up sticks to bake her last meal for her son and herself to die. And the man of God, and I've said this before, and the man of God, just, just, just pretend, nay, you are making this beautiful meal for you and Jono to go and die. And I turned around and said, 
Give it to me first. That's so wrong. It just seems so wrong. Give it to me first. What do you mean, no? (laughs) It seems so wrong, but God had brought this man of God into her world at a certain moment, at a certain time, as she happened to be going out picking up sticks. Their worlds collided at a Kairos moment. Give to this man first, and God will provide. And she did, and God provided. It never ran out. It just kept on going. Do we believe in the miracles of the Bible, who lived by faith, walked by faith, but also stepped into Kairos, God-appointed moments? Do we believe that this same God is the God in whom we serve today? Because he is. I am the Lord and I change not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. We just got to look for those moments and believe that it's him when it doesn't even seem right. It doesn't seem to, it just doesn't seem logical. What, you mean to give when I have got nothing left? And yet God multiplies back. Oh yeah, use wisdom, please. Use wisdom. But God, God when, when Jesus turns around to Peter and says, oh, well, Peter turns around to Jesus and he said, well, oh, Peter, uh, uh, Jesus, we've got to pay our taxes. And Jesus said, go fishing. Now, don't tell me that that wasn't a miracle moment that the first fish that Peter managed to catch on his own without the help of God, the first fish happened to have a coin in its mouth. There was a coin that was able to pay the taxes How many other fish swam past that hook? Why did he fish there and not over there? It was a Kairos moment where God directed the path. I I just, we have to believe in the miracles. We have to believe. See, you, you, you may never have even thought, oh, Peter went down and caught a fish and he brought it back and it had some money in his mouth. But think about the logic. That fish could have been anywhere in the river. Or in the lake, or wherever he caught the fish. But he caught the one with the coin in it. If God is able to direct the fish, or he's able to direct the hook, or he's able to use such an incredible fisherman as a Peter, whichever way you look at it, it was the right place, at the right time, at the right moment, and God can do that for us. He can change, he can change your boss to be the right place at the right time to give you that promotion. He can change the, the, the person walking down the street you know, who, who doesn't know God and you feel that quickening in your heart to share with them. And there, it may not be to do with you. It's their Kairos moment where you go up to them and you share the love of God and they find Jesus for themselves. You know, It's not all about us. It could be about others. It could be that moment where God moves on you and says, give that person £100, but they didn't have £100 to pay their bill. Or maybe it could be a case where someone, like I said, moved, that someone, God moved their heart to give us £5,000 to pay for a new van for us. God may ask of that of you. And you think, but I haven't got £5,000 to spare. I don't know if the person who gave it to us did. But I do believe that God blessed them for the way they gave to us. Because God is no man's debtor, according to the word. How about Abraham? Abraham went up the mountain with Isaac to worship, 
to sacrifice. In Abraham's mind, I'm going up the mountain to sacrifice my son. Isaac's going up the mountain thinking we're going to go and worship. They get halfway up and Isaac's saying, Dad, I can see the fire, I can see the stick, I can see this, that and the other, but where's the sacrifice? In his head, it's you, son. But he didn't say that. He just kept on going, God will provide himself. God will provide for himself. And then they get up their Kairos moment. There happened to be a ram caught in the thicket that they then sacrificed. God moments, God moments, God moments, God moments. See, Sheree, you could be walking down the you could be walking down the street and God moment. It doesn't have to be, you know, I have to get my life right, I have to do this right, I have to be here, there, and I have to. God knows how to direct her life. My time is in his hands. My time is in his hands. The ultimate provision came through Jesus. I want to read this scripture. We've read it right at the beginning, but I'm going to read it again. Galatians 4, verse 4 says, But when the fullness of time, the kairos moment, had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we may receive the adoption as sons. That Jesus died at the right time. He died in the right place. He died for you and me, for the right people, for the whole world. He died at a Kairos moment. He was born at a Kairos moment. And do you know what? He's coming back at an appointed time that the sun doesn't know. The angels in heaven don't know. We don't know. If you ever hear someone turn around to you and say, I know when Jesus is coming, I can give you a date You can either tell them that they're a liar or you can go away and pray for them, but they are lying because no one knows the date, the time, but we will know the seasons of when the Son of Man is coming. And I believe we are in the season. I don't know whether we're in the spring, the summer, the fall, or the winter, but I know we're in the season because everything around us shouts and screams, he's coming soon. Everything around me says, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, and we know what Sodom and Gomorrah were all about, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, so will it be when the Son of Man returns. If, you, if we're living in a time of history where, where, where um, uh, alternative lifestyles are a thing, we're in it. But, he said, I'll pour out my spirit. He will pour out his spirit upon us. Are you open to the pouring of his spirit in new ways and new levels in your life. None of these were coincidental moments. Actually, you can go through every single person in the Bible and there wasn't a coincidental moment where just something seemed to happen, whether it's a burning bush or whether it's the Jonah and the whale or whether it's the three uh, Hebrew children in the fiery fire. They were not coincidental moments. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in Kairos. God moment, God time, God positioning. Whenever that happens, God is at the center of it. Let's believe for Kairos, God-favored moments in our life. I shared, as I was speaking earlier, that the favor of God surrounds us like a shield. That shield is like one side of a hook of Velcro. And the favor of God is like the other side. And when two bits of Velcro hit, they stick. And that's what that word says. It's a hook. The, the word shield is hook. And the favor of the Lord hooks onto our life. 
It settles, it connects to our life because that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be a highly favored one. When he spoke about Mary carrying the, the birth, uh, the, the baby of Jesus, uh, the baby Jesus, she was called a highly favored one. What separates her from you being a highly favored one? Nothing. You are chosen. You're a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You're God's own chosen special people. You are his and he is ours. We are adopted into his family. Therefore, he favors his righteous ones. He favors your life with good things. Time and time again, you can read through the Bible and you'll see God moments in every individual through the Bible. John the Baptist didn't just happen to be there at that particular moment, baptizing people in the dirty, filthy River Jordan, and then Jesus suddenly appeared. It was orchestrated. It was, it was positioned in the eternal jigsaw of heaven. You are positioned for such a time as this. In the eternal jigsaw of heaven, you've been placed in this time for such a time. In 2023, for you joining us as family church, for you finding your place in God, for you having a heart and a desire more than perhaps ever more, it's for that reason. For such a time as this. I want us, as we close, because I'm going to have to close, I want us to look at an extraordinary moment in the life of a guy called Obed-Edom. Anybody heard of Oed Edom before? I'm sure many of you have. Interesting character. So the situation is, the Ark of God's Covenant had been... It's, it's always a powerful thing, the Ark of the Covenant. It's got the ta tablets in there. It's got the, 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 bud, the, rose, uh, the rod that budded. It's got, the, it's got, it's got the, the, all sorts of it. It's just the presence of God. It's, it was Israel's most cherished and prized and protected piece of equipment, if you like. And it was in the tabernacle or tabernacle. It was in the holy place. And, and when the children of Israel went out to war, they carried out the Ark of the Covenant and they were declaring, the, 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 you know, uh, what were they declaring? Um, what were they declaring? They were declaring. Gone. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That's what they were declaring. And as they went out to battle, the Lord is good. Why? They're carrying him. In essence, in the Ark of the Covenant, the most precious item. But it got stolen and was taken to the enemy camp. And they didn't know what to do. And they didn't know how to go and get it. And they didn't know. And it was, it was, it was out of their possession for however long. Then that one day, David says, we need to go and get God. <laughs> Can you imagine it? We've got to go and get God. He's in the box. God is in the box and we need him. Can you imagine what that must have looked like? Thought, we need God's presence with us. So David and his men, they decide, right, we're going to go. We're going to go down to wherever it was, pick up the, the, the ark. Now, God had already told them that there is a specific way in which you're to carry the ark of the covenant. It is God's prized possession. It's his Habitation. It's his dwelling place. So David gets the, a new cart. That, uh, he thought, that, this is good. I'm going to get a nice new cart. We're going to go down there, pick it up, put it on the back of the cart, bring it back to, to Jerusalem. 
They go down there. They are singing and dancing. They've got the tambourines. They've got the timbrels. They've got everything, all the musicians. They've got thousands of guys. They're all having a party. So excited. They put the Ark of God. They, I'm going to say it in an irrelevant, irreverent way. They slung God on the back of the cart, even though it's a new cart. And they proceeded to procession back to Jerusalem. And as they were carrying the Ark of God's presence, it, uh, the oxen stumbled. And the Ark of the Covenant began to slide. And Uzzah, or Uzzah he, he reached out to stop the Ark from sliding off the back of the cart. Bang! Struck down dead. You think, blow that. Well, that's exactly what David said. Blow that. We're not moving this thing any further towards Jerusalem. Keep it here. Who lives closest to where we are right now? Because we ain't moving this to Jerusalem until we find out what's just happened. Some bright spark turned around and said, Obed-Edom's house is just around the corner. Now, I don't know about what... News travels fast, right? And, And that's always been the case. I'm sure before the ark managed to get to Obed's house, he had heard of the guy that's just been struck down dead. <laughs> News travels fast. And he's, he, he, Obed Edom looks and he thinks, that, that car is heading straight for our house. What shall we do? But do you know what? He had a heart for God. He must have done. Or else he would not have said, let's bring in the ark of the covenant to our house. He must have been a man of God. He must have been a man of faith. So as he sees the cart and David and all the men coming towards him, he opens up his doors and he says, you can bring the ark into my house. Let's remember, the ark of the covenant is the presence of God. Where today does the presence of God reside? Not in the building. It's in us. He has made his dwelling place in our heart. Are we carrying him in a correct manner? Come on, let's think about this. Our time is in his hands. Are we carrying him in the right manner? Are we like Uzzah who touched the ark in an incorrect manner? Or are we like Obed-Edom who says, bring it into my house? Because the presence of God lives in you and me. We are his dwelling place. Let me read this particular scripture. First Chronicles 13, verse 13 14. It says this, So David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. You know, I'm not quite sure what a Gittite is. I'm assuming it's a tribe. I didn't have time to go into that. But the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom, in his house for three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. How, how, the Bible is very clear, protect your heart with all diligence, for out of it will flow the issues of life. We need to protect our heart, this temple, who we are in Christ Jesus, how, how we walk, how we behave, how we live our life, not to be righteous, but because we are righteous. We don't read the Bible because we're Christians. We read it because the word 
is who we worship, Jesus. And here in this moment, Obed-Edom and his whole house, everyone that was connected to him was blessed. Guess what we should be? If that is old covenant, guess what we should be under the new covenant? If old covenant is a type and a shadow and a picture of that which is to come, if the old covenant is a, 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 just a shadow of what the new covenant is, if the old helps us understand the new, then our lives and everything connected to our life should be blessed because his presence dwells in me and you. Can you see that? That's beautiful. It's incredible. It's just the way, because where God is, wherever, he could go, ah, oh, I could go in 100 directions, the time is running out. Uh, time, chronos, don't we just like, dislike it sometimes? The river of life, spoken of in Ezekiel, the, the river of God that flows, wherever the river went, was blessed. Wherever the anointing of God is, is blessed. You don't see the anointing of God on Jesus' life and something bad happening. You see the anointing on Jesus' life and people were healed. You see the anointing on Jesus' life and people were delivered. You see the anointing on Jesus' life and people were blessed. The anointing that he had is the exact same anointing that we have. You have an unction from the Holy One, and we will know all things. That unction, that, that anointing is on us. His presence, his blessing is upon each one of us. Was it a coincidence that Obed-Edom's home happened to be the closest place? Could it have been Tom Smith? I know... Tom Smith makes crackers, doesn't he? Um, could it have been Tom Smith? No. God wanted to minister into Obed-Edom's life. It was on purpose, for a purpose. How about your life? How about your life? If our time is in his hands, then he has the ability to bring appointed moments, opportune times, Kairos situations to pass in our life. I'm going to finish with a, this last scripture and some last thoughts. All right, Ecclesiastes 3.11. Let me finish with this. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mystery, longing, um, a mysterious longing which nothing under, sun, under the sun can satisfy except God. That, that, remember we've talked about that God-shaped hold that's in our life. Sex won't do it. Alcohol won't do it. Drugs won't do it. Socializing won't do it. Buying clothes won't do it. Why? Because there's a God-shaped hole. That's what, exactly what it's saying. He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. 
Yet man cannot find it, comprehend, or grasp what God has done, his overall plan from the beginning to the end. But there is a divine purpose that's planted in your heart. And it's not until you begin to sell yourself and give yourself to that purpose and plan that you'll begin to find the ultimate peace in your heart. The ultimate fulfillment in the journey of your life is when we follow him that we find it. Kairos moments will open doors for us and position us for God's goodness and grace. God's Kairos time transformed Esther from a Jewish orphan to the queen of King Xerxes. God's Kairos opportunities transformed Joseph in the prison to being at the right hand of authority in Pharaoh's kingdom. I believe in the kingdom of Kairos moments in our life. So what are you going to do the next time someone says to you, what's the time? Are you going to process that thought? Is God speaking to me about a particular issue? Is God speaking to me about a specific time and season? Is the Holy Spirit leading me to share and to talk to somebody else because it is their Kairos moment? Is God speaking to me about stepping out from my comfort zone into what he's called me to be? I believe the Holy Spirit confirms his word. I absolutely believe the confirming of his word over our life. I want us to stand and pray together this morning. I want to pray for anybody that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's my first prayer. But I also want to pray for incredible Kairos moments in our life. Not just this week. But we would notice them and thank God for them for the rest of our lives. So let's just pray. Let's pray nice and loud, just in case anyone is praying this for the very first time. Um, it's a prayer of salvation. Anybody that doesn't know him, he's the one who came, died for you, gave you new life. So let's pray nice and loud. Jesus, I want to thank you for all that you've done for me. So today, Jesus, I choose you as my Lord and Savior. You lived, you died, and you rose again. For me, to give me new life. And I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.